Hello, and welcome to the Seeking Financial Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Casado. And with me today for our inaugural first episode is Morgan Mannion. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining, Morgan. And uh, just a brief moment for our listeners here to describe what this podcast is about. This podcast is a long-form conversation with savers and investors like Morgan here with the aim of discussing your personal finance decisions day to day on your journey seeking financial freedom. (laughs) So Morgan, what's new? Uh, You know, not much. Glad to be out here visiting in Colorado on spring break from the high school that I teach at. Um, So just, you know, doing that, buying a house right now, which is really exciting. Wow, beautiful. Um, So what brought you you to Colorado to visit? Corey, my brother. Yeah? (laughs) Uh, Brother and friends and skiing and pretty views and it not being North Carolina for a week. Okay, okay. North Carolina is beautiful as well, though. True, true. But my students can find me there. <laughs> I see, I see. So get away from the students as yes. well. That's a big part of it. Yes. Okay, great. And uh, when uh, Corey invites you out, does he offer to pay for the plane ticket or what does that look you like? You know, he doesn't. It, it's hurting my financial independence to have okay. to purchase my own plane tickets and lunch. Come on, Corey. Lunch too? Oh, man. I'm going to interject here real quick and say <laughs> that if uh, my CEO and our fine host, Daniel Casado here wanted to pay me more, then, uh, you know, <laughs> then we could fly you out here. Potentially down the road. So <laughs> One day. I'm holding you to it. Great. So, uh, so what does that look like then when you're planning to come out to Colorado? Um, just early planning. I bought the plane tickets back in like November or December, I think. Um, so just looking ahead and doing it. And they're cheaper it. when you buy them that far out, yes. I would assume. Oh, yeah. Because I was looking at tickets to LA recently for even in July. And even that's like starting to get pricier now. Sure. So I think it cost me like mm, 375 to get out here. 375 Okay. Mm-hmm, on American. So not too bad. I think that's on average what I pay to get back to North Carolina. Yeah. And that's both ways. Yeah. Both directions. Yeah. Cool. So flying out of Wilmington, then short flight to Charlotte and then out here. What are your plans while you're here? Um, we're going to go skiing tomorrow. Yesterday nice. we saw Red Rocks and Pikes Peak and um, another thing. And then... Red yeah. Rocks for a concert or just Just uh, to go see it, which was super cool. I mean, I've never been out there. I've never seen a show there, which I would really like to, but it's super pretty. And then um, we... The day before that, we went hiking. Um and got to, you know, see some snow. I got to see bison yesterday, which was wow. super exciting. There was a baby bison. <laughs> made my whole that day. In North Carolina, huh? No. And there were elk. And then there was another kind of deer, which I can't remember what it was called, but it was very cute. Um, and then the second half of the week, I will be up in Vail with my friend Stitch. Uh, she works at the ski lift out there, but it'll the season will be over. So. so you get to stay with her? Yeah. We'll just hang around and go hiking and things like that. Very nice. Free yeah. activities. I like that. Exactly. Last year I went and I skied Vail and then um, we I got to go to a free yoga class out at like their resort okay. area, which is very fancy. Yeah. Very Outside fancy. yoga? Inside. But the studio okay. is like huge and they have these giant walls or windows and like the whole back wall is this like super colorful mural. It's very pretty. So you're, you're traveling on a budget and doing it fairly affordably. Yes. I mean, not oh, having yeah. to pay for a hotel, that's kind of, that's a big expense. When I travel every summer for free, actually, out oh, of the yeah? country. Yes. Out of the country. Out of the country. And how do you wrangle a free trip out of the country? You take children. <laughs> take children? Your own children? Yeah. Uh, my One of my coworkers and I, um, we take students abroad every summer. Because so, you're a teacher? Yes. Okay. And so we got to go 
Two years ago, we went to Costa Rica completely free. Um, the company that we travel with, EF, is super amazing. They're fantastic. They do trips all over everywhere. And for every six students you have signed up, you get a free spot. So if we get nice. 12 kids, we both travel for free. Very nice. Um, and then if you have even less than that, it's still like a discounted rate. Like we went to Italy and Greece last year and we each paid about $300. Wow. And that's flights, hotels, breakfast and dinner every day, excursions. And it's amazing. It's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. year we're going to Ireland. Um, so I'm super excited for that. And the company sent me to Berlin for free for a training tour. Okay. So I was there for like three did or four days. Did you see the Berlin wall? I did. Ooh. I did. I saw it. I touched it. There was gates over a lot of it, so you weren't allowed to climb on it, which was sure. a little disappointing. <laughs> um, no, Berlin's a it's a weird little place. I yeah. don't know. <laughs> and what, what do you what do you teach? What classes do you teach that you get to travel with your students? I teach ninth grade world history and um, civics and economics, or American history, founding principles of civics and economics. Okay. Um, but our trips aren't actually they're. Connected but not connected with our content. Um, Kit is the Spanish teacher, mm -hmm. and she also speaks Italian and some other language. I don't know. She speaks like everything. It's very impressive. Wow. Um, but we do our trips completely separate from our school. Um, there's just a lot more red tape and hoops to jump through if you do it through the county schools. And for a while, it wasn't allowed. Um, you weren't allowed to take kids out of the country at all. And that's how it was when we first started. So hmm. we started off just kind of like doing our own thing outside of school. We don't advertise in class. We just kind of like tell the kids, there's going to be a meeting at the public library if you want to come. Yeah. Um, and then there's like a million forms that they have to fill out saying sure. that like it's not affiliated with New Hanover County Schools and like just because we teach there and you go to school there does not mean these are the same. Absolutely. Well, um, I'd love to unwrap that for a moment. Yeah. Um, so what is it? Are you setting up your own LLC to do this or are you just doing it with your own finances and another bank account? How do you how do you set up everything and coordinate it? What is an LLC? That's a great question. <laughs> it's uh, like when you incorporate a business, a uh, oh. liability company. Or I, You tell me, how did you structure everything to where you're to where you're able to take these kids abroad? Um. So basically, the company really takes care of everything for us. I've, what company? EF, Education I First. See, I yeah. See. Okay. Um, so I found out about it. They do uh, trips for college-age students as well. Hmm. And my first year teaching, um, so four years ago, I went to Ireland, or not Ireland, uh, London and Scotland mm -hmm. for my spring break. And when I came back, I was looking at the site to find another trip to go on because it was just such a great experience and everything was really affordable. And yeah. We had a tour guide who knew like everything that was with us and there's still a lot of free time to get to do whatever you want to do. So like That's I took a day and went to go to the Harry Potter studio tour. Very nice. Um, oh, it was the coolest. <laughs> um, and did like the Tower of London and all that stuff on my own. Um, but when I got back, I was looking for more trips for myself to take and kind of stumbled on their high school travel website. Hmm. Um, and then broached the topic with Kit to see whether or not she'd want to do something like that with me. And then there's a ton of companies that do what EF does. Okay. Um, there's one called Explorica and there's a few others whose names I can't remember, but EF 100% gives you the most bang for your buck. Um, really? Yeah. The kids are paying like, we try not to do trips that are over $3,000. Okay. Um, but included in that is bus fees, hotels every day, um, breakfast and dinner every day, and then a whole manner of excursions that would be like super expensive to do on your own. Yeah. Um, so like we're going to Peru in 2020 and it is like in the 
mid between $3,000 and $4,000. But um, to plan a trip like that on your own would cost you upwards of $5,000. Sure. Um, so while it's a lot of money, there's lots of payment plans that are available with EF. And um, yeah. And the kids aren't right. on a teacher's salary like yourself. They've yeah, got exactly. Their parents are the generally parents. <laughs> financially right. backing it. Yeah. So I, I love the business idea. Essentially, yeah. this company EF makes it approachable for you on a teacher's yes. salary to, to travel and incentivizes mm-hmm. you by you know, having you sign the children up, yep. they coordinate everything and then they make it affordable for you to travel with them. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. They're yeah. amazing. Very nice. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the show that you were also buying your first home. Yes, I Very am. Very excited. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Cool. So that's actually going to be our, um, this episode's life stage investing theme. So mm-hmm. buying your first home. So uh, if you don't mind kind of breaking down your approach to it, what when you started looking, okay. how long that took, and, and just what what processes you went through thinking about it and figuring out if, if it was doable. Yeah. Um, so I started kind of talking about the idea of buying a home with my dad. He's helping me out financially with down payment. Um, Very nice. We kind of started talking about it a few years ago, just like the logistics of buying a home versus paying rent. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this last year, kind of towards the beginning of March, I officially solidified like a five-year plan because I haven't really known what I was going to do um, really in the last four years. I knew I wanted to be a teacher and, you know, graduated from college, met that goal. Um, Beautiful. And I love my job. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and love how, my job. How long have you been out of college? Uh, four years. Four years? Yes. So you graduated and then started teaching immediately? Yeah, right away. Um, nice. So, yeah, I graduated in 2015 and then started working. I work at Isaac Bear Early College um, like that August. And then when you're teaching, at least in North Carolina, your first three years are your BT years or your beginning teaching years. Okay. Um, so there's like a whole bunch of stuff you have to do. You have to have a mentor for a certain amount of time hmm. for those three years. Um, you have to meet with them regularly. You have to have more observations and you have to go to a certain amount of like workshops and trainings. Sure. Um, so I knew I wanted to stick that out at the same school for the first three years. So I did that. And then I applied to grad school um, and started grad school this year. Um, For education as well? No. So my degree, actually, my undergrad degree is in history. I just have a teaching license. I see. Um, For basically, for pretty much any high school teacher, that's the way it's going to be. Whereas if you are teaching like uh, elementary school, your degree is in education. Um, My degree is in history. And then I have my social studies license um, that you just you have to take tests for and classes for those kinds of things. Um, so now I am in grad school through UNCW again online for my master's in history, which I will be done with next summer. Master's in history, and that's the University of North Carolina at Wilmington. Yes. Very nice. Yes. So, so I love it. So you're investing back into your career, back yeah. into your ability to teach other students. Yeah. And, and it's a little frustrating right now because um, the state of North Carolina for public education isn't the best financially um and they took away master's pay before i started teaching so you actually don't make more money with a master's degree than you do with just an undergrad degree that's terrible yes i I would certainly think that we should be incentivizing our teachers to go get more education yeah well and that's one of the biggest issues though is there's such a high teacher turnover rate in the state because Mm. there's no incentives and because we don't finance education a lot i mean i think we're 
47th out of 50 states um, wow. for public teacher pay. That's awful. I'm from North Carolina as well, so that's disappointing to yeah, hear. Yeah, it's not great because then, you know, if there's a high teacher turnover rate, the students aren't receiving any kind of continuity in right. their education. So then when they perform poorly on standardized testing, which is a whole other issue, um, we blame the teachers and it's just kind of this never-ending cycle, whereas the solution would be if you offered incentives for people to become teachers and to stay in North Carolina, I think a lot of the problems would be solved. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot would. Yeah. Um, yeah. You you mentioned that you have that um, Mm three-year BT period. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you see a pay difference once that period's completed? Yeah, okay. yeah. Just so it's a not a super high one. Yeah, and I mean, the longer you've been in the profession, the more money you make. Do which you? Is, is nice. that how it yeah. works? Okay. Um, and I'm not sure really how much it changes because I'm sure. still pretty new to the career field, but um, I know that it does change, which is nice. And I mean, I with teaching, a lot of it is just like being reasonable about what you can afford to live on and what you can afford to live without. But I know... I think not just for teaching, but I'm sure especially with teaching. I know for for people with families, though, it's really hard and it's tough to watch, which is why... um, I can only imagine. Like every friend of mine I know that has kids, um, both parents work full-time jobs and then most people work in the summer as well. Sure. Um, And that would be a job other than teaching. Yeah. pick up a part-time job every summer, summer job. Yeah. Um, But... There's a rally May 1st in Raleigh, North Carolina. Oh, yeah? We rallied last year and we're doing it again. To get a raise in teacher pay? Yeah, to get a raise in teacher pay, more budgeting for classrooms. Okay. And the state super, I mean, the state superintendent says that he's making a budget for $400 for each teacher for classroom supplies. But most of the time when bills like that are passed or things like that are said, we don't actually see that money into funds that we can use for our sure. classroom. Um, but it'll be, it'll be good to see what happens. Yeah. I'm glad we're all... Raising raising the banner again. Yes, basically. good luck. Good luck with the rally. Thank you. But yeah, that was kind of the five year plan. the The original plan graduating was to do my BT years, and then I started talking to professors at UNCW about their grad program. Got into that, and then basically have decided to stay in Wilmington okay. um, because I mean I love it there. I love where I work. I love my friends and the people that I work with. Um, but I also would eventually, with my master's degree, like to teach a college course or two. And, Very nice. You know, At Wilmington. Ideally. Yeah. Because while, I mean, it's definitely about your skill, obviously, knowing people helps. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, In any, any yeah. profession. Yeah. So knowing the history department there is really helpful. Plus, I mean, they're all fantastic and, like, just great life mentors anyways. So... Yeah, decided that at the beginning of March and then started actually looking into buying a place. Because um, right now, I mean, I pay so much money in rent. I pay almost $1,000 a month. And mm-hmm. my apartment, they've been doing construction on it now for over a year when it was supposed to take nine months. And it's just, I don't see anything back from just paying rent, you know? Right. Um, so the first step really, once I decided to do it, was to kind of figure out what I was looking for and then... My budget. Um, so do, on a personal level, do mm-hmm. you budget all your finances? Or are you just looking for budgeting when you're buying a house? What does that look like for you? Um, I actually usually make a monthly budget. Very nice. Um, okay. I get paid. So 
The way teacher pay works is you can either get paid 10 months, which are the 10 months you're actually there physically working, or you mm -hmm. can get paid 12 months, which okay. is the Very same amount of pay, just spread out over summer, I too. See. So that's what I do because I like having the guarantee of a paycheck every month. And behaviorally, I think that's actually the more beneficial way to oh, go. Oh, yeah. I would totally agree, especially for like, I like to travel in the summer. Um, yeah. I can't always get a job for just one month. I don't know who would right. hire me. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so I do a monthly budget and just, you know, I was just teaching my students about how to market out their disposable income and their discretionary income and make sure they have enough like fun money is what I like to call it or adventure money. Yeah, um, I love it. Discretionary budget, but fun yeah. money. I like the, the name. It's a nicer name, I think. Yeah. And that, that's actually a good segue because that brings us into the uh, the behavioral theme of the week, so which is mental accounting. Yeah. So kind of that idea of um, setting one bucket mentally. Maybe this is for my discretionary money, this is for my bills, and this is for my yes. savings goal. So tell me a little bit about how you break that down and how long you've been budgeting. Um, I haven't really taken budgeting seriously until I de – definitely not until I started teaching, but probably in the last few years more seriously than when I first started. Sure. Um, and for me, I mostly just try to make sure I pay all my bills first. So, you know, cable bill, rent. Um, I have a cat, so his vet bill. Um, cat? Yep. Very nice. What, <laughs> what do expenses for a cat look like monthly? Uh, not that much, actually. Much smaller than it would be if I had a dog. Um, okay. He goes to Banfield Pet Hospital, which is affiliated with PetSmart, and they um, – have a plan that you can do where you pay a little bit monthly, but then like he gets to go to the vet every six months and get six months worth of like flea medication mm -hmm. um, and any like preventative care. Like I don't have to pay anything up front when I nice. take him to the vet. So, I mean, it's good if there's any kind of emergency or anything like that. They um, so that's pet insurance. Yeah, kind okay. of. Basically, not there. There's a different kind of actual like pet insurance that you can get that I don't have because he doesn't go outside and doesn't live. I see. A, kind of high-risk lifestyle any other feline might. Sure, sure. But, um, I mean, he's the dumbest cat alive. But, um, yeah, so I pay that first. and Food, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, my grocery bill is a little bit different, so I put aside $25 in a savings account every month. I've never touched it since I got it. I just leave it alone. Um, and then for food, I kind of have, like, a weekly grocery budget um, just because I meal plan on Sundays and then Beautiful. try to just do one big shopping trip. It's a great way to kind of... Set the expectation yeah. of how much you're going to spend each week on food. Yeah, and that's really helpful. And then I only allow myself like one out to lunch a month or two at awesome. most. Okay, um, so disciplined as well. Yeah, well, and then like budgeting for the, the fun stuff was just like coming out here. I knew we were going to go skiing, so I knew I was going to have ski rentals and lift tickets and things like that. Um, so I made sure I set aside enough money for that. I try to make sure I save, I try to save about a thousand a month. But What percentage do you think that is? Of your pay. Oh, gosh. Math. I teach history, <laughs> remember? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's okay. I have no idea. Um, so about $1,000 a month, that's, that's significant. Yeah. That's, that's a good amount of money. That's what I try to do. And it's good sure. to just kind of have that cushion at the end of the month for any kind of like random accident that might happen. Like yeah. next month I have to pay my property insurance or my property tax on my car. And like this month I knew I was coming here. So yeah. some months it might be a little less, but then 
on the months that you're not doing anything, having that $1,000 is really, really helpful. Absolutely. And I think it's good to have that savings goal in place too. Something yeah. to strive for. And, yeah. And you can hold yourself accountable. Exactly. So when you're budgeting over the past year, two, three years, and you had this five-year plan in place, mm-hmm. uh, a house purchase as part of the five-year plan, was that a savings goal that you had? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So that um, came about recently. Yeah. Okay. Because it was kind of like a loose idea that I had thought sure, about, sure. but had never really like... So not so, making concrete steps towards yeah, that. Yeah. Okay. Because in my head, I was kind of like, well, maybe I'll move. Maybe I won't. Right. I don't really know. And then this last year was the, the first year where I've been like, okay, no, I am staying. Ah, sorry. I, I mean, I think that's a that's a, a great point you're alluding to. I mean, the idea that when buying a house, a lot of people get excited mm-hmm. about it and want to purchase a home. But really, I mean, the long term your plans long term yeah. matter a lot. If you plan yeah. to stay in that area, maybe it makes more sense to mm-hmm. buy the home than rent it. But if you if you want the flexibility of being able to move anytime, you know, let's say your yeah. master's was in another state, then renting provides that flexibility. You're almost, you know, paying that premium renting yeah. just to have that flexibility. Yeah, and that that was one of honestly the scariest things, like once we found the place and decided to buy it. Um and it sounds so silly, but kind of like accepting the loss of that freedom a little bit. Sure, of course, Um, of course. Just being like, I can't pack up and move within a day if I really, really wanted to or needed to or whatever. Um, And it uh, it required a lot of thought because I've always liked having that freedom and I've always liked knowing that I have the option if I wanted to just like up and move to Colorado or New York or wherever I could. Um, But the more, that was kind of the biggest thought process that went into the five-year plan Um, and the more I thought about it, it's like, I still travel. I still have all these freedoms to do whatever I want. And like worst case scenario, I rent the property if I needed to, you know, um, but committed for the time being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it was just about, you know, finding a place and getting in touch with, um, the mortgage guy, as I call him, um, and having him kind of tell me like what kind of price range I should be looking in. Okay. And um, how are you determining that? Is it based off of the amount you want to pay monthly or what does yeah, that look like? So I taught my dad actually put me in contact with his mortgage person through BB&T. Okay. Um, Which and is he, a regional bank. Yes. North yeah, Carolina yeah, yeah. area. Oh, I forgot they don't have them everywhere. <laughs> um, but he was super helpful and just like. I think that what I would say, like my biggest advice for first-time homeowners or home buyers, do not Please. be afraid to ask questions. They're not okay. going to think you're dumb because I have asked a ridiculous amount of questions Good. that I like pretty much knew the answer to, but sure. still wanted to like make sure I would knew Absolutely. what I was talking about. But I talked on the phone with him. We had probably about a five-minute conversation in which he ran my credit score, um, put in you know how much I make a year and everything like that, and then helped me figure out like this is the top of what I could afford with a loan okay. and how much I would be paying. Um, nice. Yeah. And then I got a realtor, which okay. was like kind of next step or I did it backwards. That was my first step. But um, do you know how much the realtor costs to utilize? Uh, he is not charging me anything. They'll just get wow. their commission from the house. Yeah. Okay. okay. From the seller. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, um, I was really lucky. I have a friend that I work with who knew the realtor she put me in contact with. And he has just been like super helpful and his whole team where they were really really great about like finding things within my price range and then um once we found it like really making the moves to jump on it um and have also been like so instrumental with just like contacting the seller and making sure the inspection gets done and all of that stuff they've been awesome about so you got both the professionals that you work with your mortgage mm-hmm. banker as well as the realtor through referrals yeah okay yeah. very nice Which, referrals I mean, I would, from friends yeah and i would i would recommend it because i know that like 
my, I knew my friend at work wasn't going to set me up with someone who was going to rip me right. off, you know? I think um, that's how a lot of people approach it. Yeah, it was, it was really nice. Um, and then after that, it was just kind of starting the searching period. Um, okay. And we got really, it was crazy how fast everything moved with it. Yeah, tell um, me. Like once we decided this is, okay, like we're buying a house, it's going to happen. Um, and I went through, you know, my week-long internal panic about that. Um, then we found the place we're buying, actually, found it on a Friday. And I had sent it to my dad, like sent him the link on Zillow. Um because so you're looking through zillow or zillow and there was an account um that my realtor set me up with that's just like through knw which is okay. the realty branch that i'm using um and they would send me like stuff came up on there generally before it would come up on zillow um and it had all the reports and like hoa fees and what that covers and all of that stuff i could see it right online um and then once we found the place it was really about just like jumping on it as quickly as possible because really? like he sent me two on a friday that i liked i sent them to my dad and i told him i was like i think you should come down and see them because these two were like exactly what we were looking for they're exactly what we've been talking about they were within budget they had all the space requirements that i wanted um and they were in the area that i had been looking in and so once like he came down my dad came down saturday we went and looked saturday and put an offer on it that day and there were wow. already, there was already another offer on it wow I know that's what the Colorado market's yeah. like. One of my friends is looking for houses around here and it's the same thing. They had it's crazy. eight offers a day. Yeah, that and that would be the other thing. Like once you're ready to do it, like be ready to move really, really fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, you had the down payment in place. Your dad was assisting you with that. Yes. So you really just had to worry about closing costs, yep. taking care of it. So how long did it take from your offer to actually closing on the house? Um, we closed May 1st. Congratulations. Uh, thank, thank you. Um, and we put an offer on it two weeks ago. I don't know what date that would have been. So oh, 30 days closing. Yeah, we, we did a 30 day closing because the seller wanted a fast closing date too. Great. Um, and then they've been really great because we got the inspection and that was about 375. So that was another thing to budget for within all $375 yeah. for the inspection of yeah. the house. Okay. Um, and then that's another thing I'll have to deal with again, because I'm going to get it re-inspected after okay. all the issues have been fixed, just, yeah. to, just to make sure. I mean, Absolutely. I trust the seller, but better safe than sorry. Yeah, it's a big investment. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then once that happened, you know, he sent me the inspection report with all the, uh, pictures and descriptions of everything that was kind of damaged or needed fixing. Um, and then we came up with a list of kind of like, I don't want to say demands, but demands, yeah. <laughs> um, that I was like, these are the biggest things that you need to fix. And if you don't, I'm not going to buy the house because sure. there was, um, a slight like plumbing problem. There was a leak like underneath of the guest bathroom that under the house was like sagging and, and wet, which stressed me out. Cause I was like, if a shower falls through the floor, not only am I not physically capable, I am not financially capable of fixing that very easily. Right. Um, but again, our seller has been super great. I mean, she's fixing everything Good. that we requested. So, for now, everything goes ahead as planned. We just got the assessment uh, yesterday, and we are paying the exact right amount for the house, which is Good. nice, because I think if the assessment had come back like substantially lower, then we probably would have requested lower on the house. But sure. Yeah, it's all working out, very which good. is surprising and awesome. Yeah, <laughs> very exciting for you. Yeah, I am, I'm super excited. It'll be nice to be paying money that's going into something in terms of a mortgage payment rather than paying pretty much 
because I'll be paying my mortgage will be about the same as what I pay now to rent. Beautiful. Good. So, yeah. you're, so you're not only paying the same amount rent mm-hmm. and mortgage, but you're going to be building equity through the yeah. process. Yeah. And I mean, bills might be a little bit higher, but um, I don't. It, it's worth it to me. Yeah, you potentially know? bills may be a little higher, fixing up the house here and yeah. there, some added cost. But yeah. over the long run, you're you're owning the house and yeah. your first really large investment, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Because, um, yeah, my car is paid off. So this is really the first thing that I'll Cars ever paid be- off. Yes, it, it was a gift, though. Okay. okay. Um, so this will be the... That sounds so pretentious. My car was a gift. <laughs> so, so no car bill. What do, what no do your overall bill. expenses look like when you're budgeting? So you mentioned food, mm-hmm. uh, now the home, which is yep. going to take place to the rent. Yep. Uh, I would guess homeowner's insurance. Yep. Um, what, what else do you budget for? Um, electric, cable, but I'm actually getting ready to get rid of cable just because okay. I watch cord, everything huh? online anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah. But internet. Um and how much money would you save a month getting rid of cable, do you think? I would save about like $70 a month. Wow. Yeah. So which, significant over a year. Oh, yeah. Definitely worth it. Plus, I mean, I use cable to watch crappy reality TV, which sure. I can do anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. So, home, owner's insurance, uh, the HOA fees for the complex, which it's expensive, but it's how much I would have to pay anyways okay. um, for exterior insurance and everything because the HOA covers... All exterior maintenance, roof maintenance. Oh, um, so you don't have to mow your lawn? Nope. Very nothing. nice. Uh, the only things I'll be covering with my own homeowner's insurance will be basically my stuff on the inside. Okay. So everything else will be covered. Um, and then what else do I pay a month? My savings. Um, and then I'm working on paying down my credit card. I mean, three nice. months, it's going to be down to zero. I'm very excited. Very nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, well, let's take a, a brief moment to just dive a little bit deeper into the behavioral theme of the week, being mental accounting. Yes, sorry. And then I'd love to uh, see how kind of you utilize mental accounting mm-hmm. with the budgeting and, and savings. Yeah. Um, so, mental accounting is an idea that was first proposed by Richard Thaler. Richard Thaler is a professor at the University of Chicago and winner of the Nobel Prize in Economic Sciences for his contributions. And he actually just won that in 2018, so this last year. Um, The idea of mental accounting highlights one of the more common and more costly big money mistakes, which is the tendency that we have to value some dollars less than others and thus waste them. So, you know, creating an account in your head, maybe for $100 gifted from grandma, Mm -hmm. maybe grandma passed away after she gave us the $100 or or left us some money behind, and then thinking about like a tax rebate Mm -hmm. or a a tax refund. Um, For whatever reason, behaviorally, we're much more likely to view that tax refund dollar as spendable versus yeah. the money from grandma, even though in reality and traditional economics, those should all be worth the same amount to yeah. us. They all have all the same purchasing power by the same number of tacos, really shouldn't be any different. Um, so a great example though of mental accounting, just to see it in action, comes from the book, Why Smart People Make Big Bunny, Why Smart People Make Big Money Mistakes. And that's written by Gary Belsky and Thomas Gilovich. And in the book, they detail a study performed by Nick Epley, who's a psychologist at University of Chicago, along with Harvard's Dennis Mock and Lorraine Chad Idson. And uh, the study goes as follows. So two dozen Harvard students were told they were receiving a $25 windfall as part of a research project and could spend as much of it as they wanted at the lab store. The lab store carried stuff students were used to seeing at campus bookstores or co-ops, which would be school mugs, snacks, foods, pens, etc., Any unspent money would then be sent to the students by check. 
All the students were told that the research lab was partially funded by tuition dollars, but, and here's the interesting part, for half of the participants, the $25 was described as a rebate, and for the other half, it was described as a bonus. So that small difference, though, was all that was necessary to dramatically affect how the students handled their windfall. 84% of those whose $25 was framed as a bonus spent some or all of it, but only 21% of students who had their $25 described as a rebate opened their wallets. So mental accounting is a powerful driver of our actions, even if the accounts aren't meaningfully different. Epley summarily described this behavior by saying, quote, reimbursements sent people on trips to the bank and bonuses sent people on trips to the Bahamas. So how are you spending your tax rebate this year? Um, my tax rebate is going to lift tickets and okay. ski rentals tomorrow um, and to my property tax on my okay. car insurance actually and Very nice. getting my car inspected and kind of tuned up a little bit. But I think just if I can comment on that really quickly. Please. I think the reason why that probably happens is because a rebate, we think of it, oh, I'm getting the money back that I already spent. So if I put it in my account, it's like it never happened, you know, versus like a bonus. It's just like, oh boy, extra money. money, extra Absolutely. money. This isn't, I wasn't planning on having this before, but now I do. Yep. So I can use it on whatever I want that I might not be purchasing otherwise, you yeah. know? Absolutely. And I think uh, gambling, you see it a lot. Uh, yeah. You'll hear the term, the house is money. So, you know, let's say I have $5 left in my wallet. I go downstairs to the casino. I put $5 on black and roulette. It hits. I make my money. And now all of a sudden I have this found money. I have this money that I yeah. didn't expect. So now I feel like I can continue to gamble it because it's the house's money. Yeah. And even if I lose it all, I feel like I didn't lose anything. But in reality, once I made that money, that is my money. Yep. I shouldn't feel like it's expendable or, yeah. or I shouldn't feel free to give it back to the casino. So it yeah. is interesting how mental accounting works. And I think that segues well into our savings tip of the episode, which, uh, you know, mental accounting in that regard, we're describing it as a negative, but I think it can also be used as a positive. Yeah. So taking advantage of the mental accounting tendency we have as humans, um, I think you and our listeners would be well do well by setting up a savings account or an IRA, and that way you can set a certain amount of money to be deducted from your paycheck um, as you get your paycheck. So yeah. that way you never see the money in your checking account. You don't view that money as spendable. Yep. Uh, it's it's just money you've never had, but you know you're doing your part in savings. Yeah. So if you pair that, you know, a savings account with automatic deductions each time you get paid, call it 5% yeah. of your pay, uh, along with your company retirement account. I know it's different for teachers, but a lot of people have like a 401k. We have something like that. I can't remember what it's called. They okay. just were presenting about it last week, but I did not. Sure. Well, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure what it does is something like takes pre-tax deductions. Yeah. So it, yeah. it lowers your uh, taxable pay at the yeah. end of the year. So you're paying less tax on the money you made, and you're contributing to your savings. So you're in effect practicing what we preach at Seeking Financial Freedom, which is. Uh, saving and investing and spending the rest. So as long as you know you're saving and investing your money on the front end with these automatic deductions, you know, yeah. anything in your checking account after bills, you're, you're free to spend. And that yeah. would be your discretionary budget I think you described yeah. earlier. Well, and that, I mean, it's kind of like how I just <laughs> switched to, I just got, um, you know, on officially on my own health insurance and stuff in the Ooh. last year it's when I turned, time. you know, watch out um when i turned 26 but my um that just comes straight out of my paycheck so i never yep. even i don't ever think i had it in the first exactly. place and 
you know, just we just had our talk about different kinds of insurance through work for like accident insurance, which mm -hmm. just knowing my general life and shenanigans, I should probably have, but um, and dental insurance and things like that. And yeah. that money again just comes out right away. So it's like, eh, never had it, can't miss it. Comes out right away. And God forbid anything bad were to happen to you, then you have a maximum out of pocket amount that you yeah. have to spend, which is it's good. Yeah. That cool. luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's another expense maybe that we don't budget for necessarily, yeah. but it is coming out of the pay as far as oh, insurance, yeah. automatic deductions, uh, future retirement contributions, yeah. should you choose to to utilize that account. Yeah, um, well, and that's why it's good employer. to have that, you know, extra $1,000 at the end of the month because you tear your ACL or knock out your teeth or anything like that, you might, you might need some help. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's huge. So what is a... You know, you're buying your home, you're, mm -hmm. gonna, you're committing to Wilmington long yes. term. You don't have the mountains that you can go to for free I, for uh, entertainment. I mean, I have the ocean, though. That's true. So you do have the ocean. So that's another free form of entertainment. Yeah. You're just paying for parking. Exactly. If mm -hmm. you can find it. Sure. <laughs> paying for the Uber to get to the beach. Yeah. So what are your other hobbies or what do you what else do you spend money on on the weekends? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Yoga. Yoga? Mm -hmm. And do you have like a monthly membership for that? I or? actually don't. Um, Drop the, in. Yeah, the monthly men membership is pretty expensive for most yoga studios. Yeah. Um, I've seen that. Yeah, whereas like a drop-in is $16. So okay. what I usually do is I have a gym membership um, just to the Y, which is like 40 bucks, I think. Um, and they offer Group X classes there. Yeah. So most of the time, if I can get to those, that's what I do. But... Um, Probably like twice a month, I let myself do a drop-in at a yoga class okay. that I like. Um, what else do I do? Do I have any other hobbies? Do you go breweries? out on the weekends? <laughs> breweries. Yeah, breweries. That's a, that's a big hobby in Colorado. <laughs> Want to be like drinking? Yeah. Um, yeah, what, is it, what does it look like when you go out to a brewery? Um, generally, it's never that pricey for me. Uh, I sure. mostly just go to some of the local ones in Wilmington, um, and they're... My favorite bar, probably, their beer is like five bucks. Okay. Um, so you try to never have too many. Just yeah, go for course. your high alcohol content. <laughs> um, <laughs> Maximizing the value there. Exactly. High alcohol content, low dollars. <laughs> the dream, honestly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I, and there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of new breweries opening, opening up in Wilmington, too. We just got a new one called Flying Machine. It's pretty cool. Hmm. Um, and then aside from that, I guess, I mean, travel. Um but most of the time, in in the summer and in the warm weather, it's definitely just like going to the beach. Um, oh, I go to the movies a lot. Okay. I do go to the movies a lot, um, which it can be a pricey evening. Is you that know? a date or is that just, just you're going alone? I just, I, I like seeing movies when they come out in the theaters. Yeah. Um, I think it's worth it and I think it's fun. Uh, so I usually just go with friends. But so we'll you go. think that the experience is worth the extra yeah. amount? Yeah. The extra amount you have to pay? For, like for a good movie, yeah. yeah. Like... Um, I saw in back in like November Bohemian Rhapsody in theaters and yep. that was amazing. Or when Avengers Endgame comes out, I will be seeing that as soon as possible, no matter how much I have to pay. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, so for some movies, I think it's worth it to kind of pl pay the extra extra dollar. Um, but for most of them, I just I wait. Yeah. Do you have a uh, in Colorado right by where I live? We have a Cinnabar. You can drink beer at the movies. Yeah. Do you guys have that? Uh, the two main movies or. I don't think we have it. There's three main movie theaters in Wilmington. There's The Point, which is a newer one. Um, and then there is the one at Mayfair. And at that one, I know you can drink alcohol. Um, I usually don't because 
I don't want to have to pee during the movie. <laughs> that, and that's where it gets a little expensive for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, exactly. I What I usually do is I'll go grab dinner and a drink beforehand. I like that. Um, which, while still pricey, I mean, it's a little bit cheaper, and I usually yeah. just get, like, bar food or something. Mm-hmm. Um and then go to the movies. But I will say I do every time I cannot watch a movie without getting popcorn. Yeah. I can't I can't do it. <laughs> I agree with that. Maybe nicey. Like, yeah. Oh, those Coke slushies? Those are so I'm good. I'm not a Coke fan. More cherry myself, but <laughs> come on. I see where you're coming from. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So so weekend hobbies. You you mentioned your gym, uh mm-hmm. your gym membership at the Y. Yeah. Group exercises, yoga drop in twice a month or so, mm-hmm. going to the the movies going to the brewery yeah okay. and then just really aside from that going to the beach but um i mean again a lot of the times in the summers and things like that i'm traveling a lot so right. i'm not usually there and obviously those are kind of some bigger expenses to plan for yeah and something that requires planning and forethought yes. so how often do you think that you travel a year you mentioned the um, school trip and colorado right now I would say probably at least two big trips a year okay um at minimum one in the summer and then the last couple years, I so I'm here on spring break right now, but the last couple years I've come down for Martin Luther King weekend, mm-hmm. um, and I skied last year at Vail, and then the year before that did some snowshoeing at Keystone, which was fun. Nice, never um, done that. Oh, it's really fun. <laughs> um, all the snow is just so much deeper than I would ever think, and I think it's just because <laughs> I've never experienced it that I think I can step into waist-deep snow, and then I learned really quickly that that wasn't going to work. Oh, so even with snowshoes, you cannot step into waist-deep no, snow. Good no, to know. You will I thought sink. that we were just floating everywhere on snowshoes. Nope, hmm. nope. Um, so, yeah, I do at least, I would say at least a trip to Colorado a year, and then my summer trips, which even though flights and hotels and stuff are covered, you know, that you still have run into other expenses. Oh, yeah. Um, and like last year, we had a student whose credit card wouldn't work oh. in Italy. And so I just, we just took turns paying for her. Very and I nice mean, her mom you. paid her back, paid us back when we got back. But um, that was pretty pricey. And then if I can this year, I'm going to try to make it out to LA to go see one of my friends that lives out there. Um, which, I mean, but the thing is, there's always free things to do places. Oh, yeah. You know, when I was in L.A., we did a lot of hiking and we went to the beach. So, so you like, seek those things out, the, yeah. the more free entertainment. Yeah. Plus, I mean, they're usually just as fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I went to D.C. this year. So I guess like three big trips this year. So, you know, potentially a cost, but also potentially an investment into your mental happiness and sanity. Oh, yeah. Like you said, getting away from the students for a time. Yes. yes. I think it's super important. Um and I mean, I think the change of pace of getting out of town is good too. And it's what makes buying the house so much less scary is sure. that I can still travel and get to see new things and kind of get my fill of other places. Yeah. And do you build these trips into the budget? Do you think, okay, well, every six months I want to be able to have this big trip. So I need to be setting money aside. Yes. Yes and no. Um, now more so now that Corey's out here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can make sure I get time to come see him. Um, most of the time I try to decide if I'm going somewhere at least like three to four months in advance. Um, Like with LA right now, I'm kind of left it to the last minute because now that I'm taking classes, I have to kind of budget my time for that as well. Um, Because I have a, I know I start a class at the beginning of July and I'm not really sure how long it goes. Um, For your master's program. Yeah. Very nice. Um, But sometimes last minute and then I actually I have a lot of friends getting married this year in particular too so it's like setting aside a budget for a bachelorette dress or yes. a bri- or a bridal that can get expensive wedding season shower and yeah so just having a bridal shower last weekend have a bachelorette party in May and then 
weddings and gifts what, and what does that look like what am i required to bring to a bachelorette <laughs> party um yourself and okay. a sense of adventure That's and your strongest liver possible oh right um no i it, it does get a little bit pricey because most of them you know aren't in town so the one sure. i'm going to in may to will be in charleston okay charleston's one. not necessarily a cheap place yeah i went to one <laughs> in new orleans um do you have to pay for the hotel when you go there yes okay so, so we, you're paying for the flight hotel food yeah and when with charleston i'm gonna drive but that's still okay. a few tanks of gas um, and then we all split for an Airbnb that we've already paid for nice. um, a dress to be a bachelorette is usually like $200-$300 they're expensive that's an expense yes okay. um, and then you gotta get the shoes you have to get the makeup and the hair and all of that stuff which was pricey on the day of um, so that's essentially a vacation yeah yeah and then for a bachelorette you know you, you generally don't let the bride pay for anything okay um, sure and you usually are eating out a decent amount, you know, and going out a decent amount. Um, so just kind of making sure, because, I mean, it gets expensive quick, you know, especially if you're out and you're buying everybody's drinks and then you're like, oh, no, now I'm sad and broke. <laughs> um, <laughs> which I think everybody has that experience at one point. Oh, but, yes. um, yeah, it, that's definitely something to, like, financially plan for if you have one coming up. Bachelor party. Yeah, it gets expensive. Okay. More than you would think. I don't know that I'll be invited to any soon, but Aww, something to keep in mind. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So, you, so your budget for the bachelorette party, yes. budget for vacations. Yes. What about uh, any vices you have? What do you find that you spend money on where maybe you shouldn't? Hmm. Um. I don't know. I've gotten. It was one of my goals in the in the new year to kind of stop spending extra money when I shouldn't. But. Good. Um. I don't, because I don't really go out for coffee very often because nice. I think it's silly to pay for coffee when I have it at my house it where I can up. make it at the Keurig at work. Right. Um, I don't know. Probably eating out, though. I like. I love going to smoothie places and mm -hmm. getting like the smoothie bowls after a workout or something. Um, and I, I like to go out to lunch, and I like to go out. I like. I really like to go out to dinner, actually. So probably going out to eat. Okay. I, I mean food. <laughs> I can understand that vice. I love food as well. Yeah. Especially good tasting food. That's probably my biggest one. And then something that I, it's helped this year. My goal was like to not buy alcohol to have at my house. Okay. Unless it's like a special occasion, then it's fine. But, um, which I didn't, I never really spent that much on alcohol to have at home anyways, mm -hmm. but I would buy like a bottle of wine, maybe a week. Mm -hmm. um, $10 a week, $12 yeah, a week. No, oh no. Five dollars yeah, a week. Five dollars a week. <laughs> Two buck chuck over here. Ah, but, <laughs> I see Trader Joe's. <laughs> yes. Providing value. I, always. See, but okay, let's be real. A ten dollar bottle of wine is going to taste pretty similar to a fifteen dollar bottle of wine. I mean, you're talking to the wrong person. I cannot taste the difference really in okay, qualities of wine. That's what I'm saying. I'll take your word for that's it. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Most people can't. I certainly can't. Um, <laughs> but I have. I mean, I think I am saving money more on my grocery bill by doing that, and that's been helpful. Um, but definitely going out to eat and like ordering food when I just don't feel like cooking. Like, yes, I fall into that trap. Yep. I had Chipotle delivered the other night, which I didn't even know they did. <laughs> Chipotle <laughs> delivered. I did not know that either. I suppose you could get Uber oh, Eats or someone so like that great. delivering it. It was but so great. Chipotle themselves delivered. Uh, I guess so. I don't really know. Okay. Um, I ordered it from the app because wow. 
I was really hungry and I had gotten home from work late and um, a lady showed up at my door and it was the dream, honestly. Hmm. I um, wonder if they're using something like DoorDash or one of those companies. I, that's what it is. They do okay. use DoorDash. It's um, a good I, idea. I got too nervous about um, ordering from Postmates just because I don't really understand it. So I'm not familiar with it either. Oh, it's like it's like DoorDash. Um, so they have like they hire all, all sorts of people who drive for it that go pick up your food and then bring it to you. So I guess like Uber Eats, I don't know. I'm new to this whole like other people who don't work for Service the restaurant economy. picking up your food. It is um, interesting, but I think it, it provides value on both sides. Oh, yeah. It provides you with value. You get your Chipotle. It provides yeah. Chipotle with a method of delivery and yeah. increases their business. So yeah. I think it's, it's certainly beneficial all around. Oh, for sure. And Postmates does it for like pretty much any restaurant. Um, I think it was come up with by like two college students that were like, this makes sense, yeah. which it does. <laughs> yeah. Also provides another job. Those yeah. drivers get to drive yeah. around and that's work as much as they want. Corey and I's younger brother, Sean, uh, drives for Postmates. And, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have an inside look into their business model. Yeah. He says he makes a lot of money doing it. I don't... I texted him the other day and said, how does Postmates work? So, yeah. Um, I would think I'm you just have of, to be worried about your wear and tear in your car, gas, yeah. oil, yeah. expenses add up, but... He's saying he's making good money. That's good. what he says. Apparently, people tip very well. Ah, I could see that. I'm pretty happy when food gets delivered to my house. Yeah, Especially same. if it's not something that I would think normally could be delivered. Yeah, uh, that's how I felt about the Chipotle. I gave her a good tip because I was just so excited to have it <laughs> at my house. And then, you know, you get the text from your other friend who's like, I just ran four miles so fast. And I was like, I ate Chipotle on my couch. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> very similar activities. Mm. That's a hobby that I have that costs money. I run. Okay. Um, and I have gotten more into it running. It costs money? Mm-hmm. Um, I've gotten more into running races recently. And, oh, that costs Yeah, money. and the, the registration, registration fees are can get pretty expensive. Like yes. the half marathon that I just ran was like $80 to half sign marathon. up. Mm-hmm. 13 miles. 13.1. It's lengthy. Yes. It was honestly so hard. I love it though. So it's uh, an investment, investment in your health though. Yeah, yeah. And it's good. It's... I, I really like it. It's such a it's a good challenge. I've had two knee surgeries. Um, oh wow! And a I'm broken sure those kneecap. Cheap. No, um, <laughs> I could not finance this loan. Uh, and then just on the healthcare side, I I can tell you that the knee surgeries crazy expensive, even with health insurance. Um, when I had to get rabies shots because I pet a raccoon that was on a leash. You pet um, a raccoon. I've heard uh, that's a bad idea. It is. Okay. You and shouldn't do it. You're verifying that for me. You do get rabies petting raccoons. Oh, Maybe not from every raccoon. Not every, I, you, I don't want to speak for all of the, the woodland creatures, but sure. um, well, I will say I first had to go to the urgent care and then pay for an antibiotic. And then um, they send the sheriff out to talk to you if you get bit by a raccoon. Hmm. Um, and they tell you that you should get rabies shots because hmm. if you get rabies, you die because there is no cure. <laughs> and you can only get rabies shots, fun fact, at the emergency room. Wow. So another added expense yes. as if urgent care yes. premium over your regular physician yeah. wasn't enough. We also have to go to the emergency room, get yep. our rabies shot. And, and people there will judge you, just I'm, so you know. Yeah, I imagine. <laughs> if you are wondering, they will look at you very, very strangely and say... Lots of questions about why maybe we decided to touch the raccoon. Yep. And then when you say, do you want to see the picture I took of it? They say, are you serious? And I said... Yep, took it as I walked away <laughs> <laughs> on my hasty retreat. Um, but the rabies shots, because you have to get 
three rounds of them. That actually was about a thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So a thousand dollars on top of the emergency room yep. bill, on top of urgent care. Yep. All for petting a raccoon. Yeah, don't touch them while they're Okay, but they're so cute. <laughs> they're so cute. I, I get if it. you can give it the name Trash Panda, then like, because honestly, I wanted to pet the bison yesterday. Clearly, I did not learn my lesson. Yeah. I thought about. I think. I think twice now, but that doesn't mean I still don't charge forward and just kind of hope for the best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sneaky medical bills are very, very, very expensive. Yes, and I think oh, dental bills—they're expensive dental too. Dental bills too, yeah. And I think that's uh, you know a good point to bring up is the the criticalness yes. of having an emergency fund so that you can cover those. Yes. For someone your age, you know, I think the general industry recommendation is three to six months living expenses, yeah. emergency fund, and then maybe someone with a family or kids, yep. six to twelve months that oh, way. Yeah. Lose a job. Healthcare scare, well, and even car like repair, yeah, fillings, things like that, oh, yeah, cost like three seventy five. Hmm. Um, and is your health and dental insurance through work, or did you go on? Mine is Obamacare? through work. Okay. Um, mine's through work. I actually though have do have to switch my dental provider because they're not in network. Um Because sure. basically, with our dental insurance, you can get an in network and out of network plan. Um, okay. The in network is. A little less expensive, um, I think, and it you know covers like your deductible. How much you have to pay out of pocket is less okay. before they step in. Um, and the out of network, you can go to whatever dentist you want, but you have to pay way more before they'll step in and help. So hmm. for someone who has as many accidents as I do, I figured in network when they would cover more is probably best. Yeah, I think that that's my understanding as far as healthcare too. You know, the more we pay monthly, mm-hmm. the lower our deductible will be. The less we pay monthly, the higher yeah. our deductible will be. So for a lot of young, healthy people like us, mm-hmm. a high deductible plan is recommended simply yeah. because, you know, outside of petting raccoons, we're not going to the hospital or the doctor quite as much as perhaps an elderly knock person or someone with children. Absolutely, <laughs> knock on wood. So, so yeah, high deductible plans are fairly popular with yeah. people young in their career. And then, you know, as the need comes up and you go to the doctor, dentist, hospital more, maybe yep. getting a, a lower deductible plan. Accident insurance. Accident insurance. Not the biggest fan of insurance in general. Yeah, but I actually did not get accident insurance, but I asked a lot of questions about it. Just. I am a proponent of health and dental insurance. Yeah, I mean, so good. I would hope so. <laughs> so what about any savings tips? What uh, what tricks, do you have any tricks that you use maybe to save a dollar here, save a dollar there? Um, or is budgeting the, the main method for setting savings aside? I mean, budgeting is definitely my main method. I do have a savings account. I started it when I first started teaching because I know... A lot of kids already have savings accounts just because, mm-hmm. like, family has set it up for them. Sure. Um, and I realized I didn't, and then I was like, oh, no, this would be good um, to save money. So I went to the bank, and I sat down, and I said, I don't have a savings account, and I would like one. And they said, this is less formal than people usually are. And I said, can I have it, please? Um, but I get $25 direct deposit on my checking every month nice. that just goes straight into it. And I mean, $25 doesn't seem like that much, hey, but like something. I never touch it. So now I've been saving $25 a month for four years. Yeah. It builds, you know? Absolutely. Um, and then just, I mean, like, again, my biggest vice is probably eating out. So trying to cook and use leftovers and like freeze what if you have a ton of leftovers that way you don't have to throw them out. Um, and I mean, like, being a smart shopper, produce is a million times cheaper at Trader Joe's than it is at Harris Teeter, which is like the big grocery store in North Carolina. Um, 
And I, I yeah. think that's a big item because it's one that I know I certainly fall prey to. Mm-hmm. Maybe being in a Whole Foods and deciding I'm going to do some of my shopping there. Be fancy Whole, Whole Foods. Paycheck. Yeah. Watch and, out. <laughs> well, I think the issue is you start spending and you don't realize that, you know, buying an apple for twice the cost and it's these recurring expenses yeah. over time that if we're spending more on, they're really going to add up as opposed to one large purchase where, yeah. you know, maybe I spend $25 more, but if I'm spending $25 more because I'm going to Whole Foods over uh, mm-hmm. a Kroger's brand, then yeah. it's going to consistently raise my expenses more and than they need to. Off-brand, let's be real, for the most part, tastes just as good as anything else, you know? I hear for the most part off-brands are made in the same places as the branded foods are. I wouldn't be shocked to hear Especially that. Especially with the large companies. Um, let me tell you, I live for any Trader Joe's brand item. Absolutely. Gonna and I be honest. All of all of the companies are doing it now. Target has yeah. the Harris Teeter. Oh all my the god, Kruger and the brands. Target stuff is so much cheaper yes. than like as the most basic bitch who loves Target more than really anybody I know. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Target as I, well. There's so many super value again. There's so many super targets out here. Yeah, it's amazing. Quality meets price. I always say, you know, you don't you don't make a list for Target. You go to Target and let Target tell you uh, what you it's need. It's too true, painfully um, <laughs> for my wallet. True. Same, same. But there, I mean, and Target has so many ways to save. They have the Cartwheel app where you can scan the barcodes and you get discounts. <sighs> Admittedly, I've not downloaded any of their apps Daniel. yet to save money. It, it's so helpful. Uh, because, another little thing that, yeah, you know, just not everything is going to be on discount, but some things are, okay? And, like, not for everything, okay? So, like, I like my brand names for, like, shampoo and conditioner and, like, face okay. wash and things like that. But for, like, cleaning products and food and things like that, it's like, right. are you going to pay 99 cents? You're going to pay $2. Right. Don't pay $2. That's crazy. And, like, going to places like TJ Maxx and Marshalls, which, like, in high school I thought I was way too good for, um, <laughs> which I look back and judge my past self so hard because, like, now I primarily shop at Old Navy yeah. um, because I can't afford it. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if I can get three pairs of jeans at Old Navy for the cost of one from somewhere else, like, Old Navy's going to win every time. Oh, yeah. Honestly. But... I don't know where I was going with that. I was going in direction. But you were talking about the generic brands. I yes, think. that's that's a They're big the one. They're the best. Yeah. They're the best, and you can save so much money with them, and they work just as well as anything else. Yeah, I traveled to Thailand recently. Yeah. And when I came back, I was very sick, caught something nasty over there, and uh, so I went to buy you know menthol to yeah. rub on my chest, and you can buy the branded menthol for yeah. five dollars, or you can buy the store brand for ninety nine cents. So that was. Such a dramatic price difference yep. that it blew my mind. And so I actually bought three of the ne- generic brands, even though I'll probably never use three menthols in my Better life. Better safe to have them. Just because it was such a good deal. Yeah. And what if you, what if you need it? Yeah. Like, watch, you're exactly. going to get the flu or something. There exactly. You now I have it. You're ready. <laughs> well, cool, Morgan. Well, thank you so much for joining the you're show. You're welcome. And uh, certainly appreciate your time. And we'll end this podcast with a little history and finance fact for our listeners. Oh boy. Uh, so this is from the book The Go-Go Years, the drama and crashing finale of Wall Street bullish 60s. Quote, on April 22nd, 1970, so 49 years ago, Henry Ross Perot of Dallas, Texas, was one of the half dozen richest men in the United States at age 40. So at only 40 wow. years old, he was so new to wealth and fact that he was not listed in poor's register and had just appeared for the first time in Who's Who in America. Only a small fraction of his countrymen had ever heard of him. That day, though, he suffered a paper stock loss of about $450 million in his shares of EDS. He still had on paper almost a billion dollars left afterwards, but that wasn't the point. The point was that his one-day loss amounted to more than the total assets of any charitable foundation in the country after the top five. 
more than the annual welfare budget of any city except New York, and more, not just in figures, but in actual purchasing power than J. Pierpont Morgan was known to be worth at his death in 1913. It was quite it was also quite possibly more in actual purchasing power than any man had ever lost in a single day since the Industrial Revolution brought large private accumulation of money into being. End quote. So a rough day for Ross Perot. <laughs> Seriously, can you have that be the thing that you're known for, is how much money you lost? <laughs> I think maybe nowadays he's also known for uh, running for president and being a billionaire and <laughs> starting that company, but that's certainly you know, a, anybody a gigantic can do that. loss. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way. <laughs> Anyway, thank you, uh, thank you to our listeners for listening. I uh, hope you. this is uh, your new favorite podcast now. Yeah. And please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Seeking Financial underscore Freedom, and on Facebook at Seeking Financial Freedom Show. 